You're listening to Creating a Universe, a Love Anarchy podcast hosted by William J. Rogers. On this show, we follow the journey of creatives, artists, and entrepreneurs who are making a name for themselves in the ever-evolving landscape of today's industry. Featuring an insight into both Love Anarchy and the Labaniverse music universe, as well as the individual projects and stories of each of our guests from the music industry and beyond. So whether you're a budding creative or simply interested in what goes on behind the scenes, this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to Creating a Universe. I'm your host, William J. Rogers, and today I'm here with progressive rock singer, composer, and producer, Leo Meyer. How you doing, man? Doing well, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to talk to you, like, over video. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we were just saying, like, we've been chatting so much over Instagram recently that it's great to have the chat, uh, chance to, you know, talk somewhat face-to-face. So, <laughs> so um, just to kick things off then, uh, w- would you like to start by giving a little bit of an overview of who you are and, you know, what you're doing? Cool. Well, um, I'm Leo. Um, I'm, I'm a Brazilian, but I moved to Canada. And uh, I'm, I'm mainly like a music theory nerd who really cool. likes to learn things. And um, I'm a singer um, on top of all. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I like singing techniques and learning a lot about it and teaching people about it. And, mm-hmm. and, and I always composed and did my own things, but I never released anything or recorded it. Mm-hmm. But um, I had something which like my lung collapsed last year when mm-hmm. I was singing. And since then, like I came back and I was like, I, I can't sing. So what the hell mm-hmm. am I going to do? So I was like, oh, I gotta buy a guitar, I guess, like buy a keyboard. And, mm-hmm. and then I started into actual, actually recording stuff and I prepared everything, you know, for my first track, um, Pneumothorax, so that mm-hmm. when I would be able to sing, then I could record that, um, the, the vocals for it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, now I, I'm here just recording songs, releasing songs and, and getting to know cool people like yourself. Ah, oh, thank you, man. Yeah, that that's really cool, man. Um, so I know I know that this is a big uh, story for you, uh, a big part of your journey, the whole pneumothorax um, story, which is of course, as you mentioned, the name of your debut single. Um, yeah. You know, as we're recording this, like we're we're doing this just off the back of your second single, Sonia's. Um, so you know, I, I'd like to chat about both of these songs, but um, considering it's so linked into your journey as an artist. Um, could, could we perhaps go into that story a little bit about pneumothorax? It's quite an intense one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like I was, I was honestly just singing. I was singing, singing some Arian, like at mm-hmm. home, um, doing some covers. And then I started to feel like a uh, strong back pain and chest pain. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, Oh, maybe it's something muscular. I actually went to like a, a massage guy and got a massage. And, and then I called the doctor and was like, hey, just to double check, you're going to get an x-ray, right? And it was so intense. Like I couldn't even walk for, for like a block and, without feeling dizzy and, and all that. And then the, the guy from the x-ray called me, like the radiologist called me and said, dude, you got to run to the hospital. You're running on just one lung. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that, that doesn't wow. sound great. Oh. Yeah. So it was intense. It got to the hospital and they, they basically 
cut through my rib and inserted a tube kind of to drain the air out. And uh, I was there for a week. A lot of feelings uh, on that experience. A lot of PTSD still happening. But when I got home, I decided to just express it all as a song, right? Like if you Mm -hmm. listen to Pneumothorax, it's a long song that has a lot of different section with different vibes and different emotions. Mm -hmm. And that's completely tied to what I was feeling like. It starts very calm and peaceful, which represents a nice day at home. And then there's like a little breakdown on a sudden like uh, change of chords. And then it goes into kind of a tubular bells um, ish Pink Floyd uh, Mm -hmm. seven by eight um, Mm -hmm. that, that, that gets you like a little afraid and it's like, what's going on. That's something weird. Like this ambience represents me just going to the hospital and being afraid. Right. And Mm -hmm. then there's intense uh, harmonic minor, uh, stuff in the chorus, which represents pain, uh, and then a lot of anxiety coming into place, and then it finish uh, back into the the major like intro, but mm. now like on a, on a speed kind of a power metal uh, theme mm-hmm. with uh, a a triumphant I like to say uh, guitar solo, which mm-hmm. really represents me going out of the hospital and being discharged, and then back to the piano, which is like I'm home again. But interesting mm-hmm. is that I never, I never rap uh, the song. Like the chord progression yeah. actually f- ends on a dominant chord and mm. leaves you unresolved, which is exactly like how I would feel. I'm like, is it really over? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an amazing story, man. Uh, I, uh, I I I don't envy you with it, but it, um, that cathartic process of turning it into music was is really quite something special because I mean I I really got that sense of it when I listened to the piece and especially with the lyric video that kind of provides that visual for it um I mean that that's an amazing piece of artwork that you have and especially how it's animated um where it's breathing and the, and there's the kind of I don't know almost like energy coming forth from the chest and um it it just really kind of uh yeah it puts you into that space into that tension and and with the lyrics there it's like i feel like you really follow that story especially as you said like um so it starts off kind of peaceful and you've got like the flute and and such and then as things start to go strange you have this like seven this sequence in in seven um and for me, I was thinking about it as in like uh, m- almost like you can't breathe properly, right? You know, because it's yeah. it's like uh, losing um, stability to the rhythm of of your breath, and that uh, it creates such an uneasy feeling. Like I kind of almost I feel like quite anxious <laughs> listening to the song in a way, but in in a really good way, you know. And um, the way that you have told that story and and used music to do so, like. That's that's really uh, like impressive to me because um, it shows me that you have an approach to music that is is actually very much like a composer because um, you're really painting a picture with the music and um, yeah that's that's very cool man uh, very cool but how are you feeling now like considering you know. Um, what happened there with actually experiencing it pneumothorax for yourself? 
Yeah. Um, the lung has recovered. Mm-hmm. Um, the mind, it, I'm still working on it, right? I, yeah. I still have PTSDs. I've been to the hospital like three times just to get an x-ray because I was feeling back pain. And I was like, oh my God, is it happening again? Because it could yeah. theoretically happen again. It's spontaneous, right? I still have blabs, which are like little bubbles of air, but actually 20% oh. of the population have it. And oh, uh, wow. most of the time they don't burst, right? It's very rare for something to burst. You just got to be careful and not scuba dive or anything. Right. So is it to do with like, it was, was it like the pressure of you singing that you've essentially like popped along basically from singing really powerfully or what, what, what do you think was the cause? Yeah, I, I was um, really worried about it. Like thinking like, is it, is it my singing? Right. Mm. But in, in the end, like the doctors at least convinced me that it can happen any moment. Like people could sometimes they wake up at night and they burst a lung and like you, wow. you could, there are other activities that you do every day that mm. actually exerts more pressure on the lung than just singing. Mm-hmm. So it could, um, it was kind of a coincidence that it was singing, right. but, and also like I, I sing so much that, you know, sure. it's probably going to happen when I was singing, mm-hmm. but, uh, it, it does get me that whole thing or like, Oh my God, like it, sh- how should I sing now? Which yeah. is interesting because that pushed me to get better at my vocal technique and, mm-hmm. and, and get better at relaxing, get better at um, mm-hmm. relying less on like compression and working more on like my, my, my muscles to, to reach those notes more comfortably. Mm-hmm. And I do think I became a better singer in the process, which is mm-hmm. kind of cool. And, and as I was yeah. writing the melody, the vocal melody for pneumothorax, I, I actually purposely like got some notes into the chorus, which are like, those are the notes which I used to like, try hard to get, mm. but I'm going to write those notes and I'm going to get it comfortably. And, nice. and I actually wrote it as I was reading the, the lyrics, right? I was like, will I ever be able to sing that song? And I'm like, oh, that's a cool mm-hmm. lyric. Will I ever yeah. sing this song again? And mm. yeah, I ended up like hitting those notes really nicely and comfortably with no tension and even got some grit oh, on it. Great. And I, I'm, I'm very happy like how I grew as a singer as a, a consequence of that, even though I'm always like feeling, um, you know, like I still have to work a little bit on my PTSD, but it's, it's, it's working out. Oh, that's good, man. I mean, I suppose, yeah, I suppose an experience like that really, um, <laughs> makes you a lot more <laughs> conscious in a way. So I suppose, as you say about your voice, um, it makes you, think a lot more about that and it sounds like that's ultimately been a very positive experience in terms of making you a better singer um but i suppose that also kind of expands to life in a way right in terms of um such a dramatic experience i guess puts things into perspective and the fact that it's been the catalyst for you to launch your artistic career um that as well is a really positive thing ultimately right and yeah. so, I mean, we, we've spoken a little bit before, but like, I mean, you've clearly been into music for a long time, right? As you say, you're, you're a singer, but like you, you played all the instruments on, on pneumothorax at least. Right. And you know, you've, you've produced 
everything yourself. I know that was a new experience as well. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that you've been into music for a long time. Like when, when did you initially get started? Yeah. Um, I blame it on my dad. Um, cool. <laughs> when I was like six year old or more or less, he kind of put me on a chair and one of the, the, the things that would play, you know, like the children play is pink fly the wall. Like you nice. would put me on a chair and then put the, either the, the, the vinyl, which I have here from him or nice. uh, the movie itself, which is super lethargic and definitely not yeah. tailored to a six year child. <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty intense film as well. Yeah. Very uh, psychedelic too. And yeah, <laughs> pretty yeah. out there. Yeah, he would he would like play that, and whenever like the plane would approach, he would shake my chair, and and like wow, really got me into it, and I really loved that playtime, right? But kind of <laughs> wow. melted my brain, and I'm like, I bet, hey, yeah. Dad, you can't complain about anything weird that I do because like yeah. you did it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow, that's gonna shake you up. Yeah, <laughs> amazing, amazing, amazing record though. Like the wall is one yes. of the one of the best records ever perhaps you know i mean so uh so epic so that's a good good place to start yes yes and it, it's also i think it also made me connect to storytelling through music right because yeah. uh, roger waters is a great storyteller Absolutely, right you get yeah. all the solos and performances from david gilmer but i think the storyteller mm. it's really waters yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's sure. it's amazing how like each note, like you don't have to say anything, but each note, each tempo, each little thing, mm -hmm. they will express some type of emotion, and you can really make an emotional storytelling journey through music. And yeah, um, I, I I dig that, and I think that's why I also got a lot into Arian because it's basically you know mm -hmm. the progressive opera. Yeah, it's like a metal version. A story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I decided to, I wanted to start learning guitar and then my mm -hmm. dad taught a little bit. He has an acoustic guitar and then I, I learned some campfire chords. Then I got into like a, an actual guitar um, course, like with a teacher. I studied mm -hmm. for like two years when I was 12. Okay. And then I realized that what I really wanted to do is sing because mm -hmm. uh, um, on my spare time, I, I wasn't really noodling on, 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 on my arm. I was actually singing, like mm -hmm. uh, listening and discovering at the time Iron Maiden. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it eventually got into power metal and, and those things. And I was mm -hmm. singing along with it. And I'm like, oh, I, I, I want to do this properly. So when I was mm -hmm. 15 or 16, I got into actual um, singing lessons. And, mm -hmm. and I studied for two, three years at the time. And all across this, like through uh, guitar and singing lessons, I always had um, theory classes as well. Great. And yeah, uh, yeah. I, I grew older and I started to learn that theory was, at least for me, the key to being conscious about these decisions. I know without mm -hmm. theory, you can do a lot of these decisions and uh, storytell and all those things unconsciously sure. just by feel. But being conscious really helps when you, when you are in a, in a kind of a blank state. You're like, I don't know what to write anymore, but I, mm -hmm. I know I want to convey this emotion. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, sure. Why, why not put a ninth in there? I know that the ninth will get you 
that sort of like floating sensation and like kind of feeling. So I'm going to add a knife cord in here. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm really, I feel like something's missing here. So I'm going to get a, a, a 505 type of dominant in it just to, to mm-hmm. modulate or whatever. So it really unlocked me writing compositions, which I started to, to learn and really get into it, started to get into jazz and, and mm. jazz theory. I had some friends um, played in a little like progressive rock band that we covered Ocean Size and King Crimson and things like that back in Brazil. Nice. nice. That's cool. Yeah. Then eventually I got here, uh, never managed to record anything before um, Thorax. But uh, I I had all of this, you know, like knowledge on how to write songs, how to compose mm. and, and, and singing in general. During the pandemic, I got back to study uh, singing. So I mm-hmm. was really just singing every day, singing every day and learning and got into more vocal coaches and, and lessons. Got mm-hmm. into mixed voice, which back when I, I, I started to study, it was very mm. classical. It was like, yo, there's chest and there's head. You, you're a man, you're a baritone. You should sing Phantom of the Opera or whatever, do everything in chest, mm-hmm. right? And mixed voice is kind of a modern contemporary thing invented by the, the rock singers, which mm-hmm. really didn't know what they were doing, but now we understand it. So I got into a more see, contemporary yeah. type of learning, learned mm-hmm. a lot of those things and started to feel more empowered to sing high. Like I have a very low voice. And singing mm-hmm. high was always like a challenge uh, for me until I started to learn those things. And that was through the okay. pandemic. Uh, yeah, until I burst my lung. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, well, cool, man. Uh, that That's cool. So, yeah, obviously, as I thought, like music has been a big part of your whole life. It's also really interesting to hear you talk about the approach with the theory and stuff because it does just kind of further emphasize you know, how you do really approach it uh, as a composer, you know, and and that's really cool. I, I think that it's an interesting debate, this one about theory. Um, I think that ultimately theory is like tools, right? Because, you yeah. know, what you said about the ninth, you could sort of play around until you accidentally fall upon it, <laughs> or you could just kind of, you know, cut to the chase and be intentional about you, what you want in the first place. So, that being said, like even if you know all the theory in the world, there's always still that element to it, right? That that uh, spontaneity of um, you know following a thread and and creating something. So, um, but yeah, it's it's really cool to hear you have that approach, like that you have the the knowledge of music theory that you apply and this um, vivid kind of storytelling and kind of painting pictures with music. That's very composer-esque i i mean are you are you into like film music and things at all as well um or even classical music um i'm not super into that like i I like Mm -hmm. it um i remember like when i was watching dune uh, and i had a musician friend that was watching it and as Mm -hmm. everyone was hearing it or seeing it and i was mainly hearing it um, yeah I, i was like it, it's so awesome how like Frisian fits the scene, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. To, to, <laughs> cool. <laughs> right? Like really just like unpacking how, like, cause so this, this, that movie this, on mute wouldn't have impact. Yeah. Oh yeah. I bet. So this is the recent one with Hans Zimmer. Uh, yes. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I was assuming so. Yeah. I haven't, I still haven't seen that, but it's been 
strongly recommended. I I need to catch it. But um, yeah, it, you're right. I mean, it, it adds great impact. But it, it's just that you definitely have that approach with it, where you're where you are writing the music that kind of also tells that story or you know reflects the imagery and stuff. And yeah, I find I find that interesting. Um, so. Um, when, when you're talking about, um, you like vocal lessons, w w are you teaching yourself or are you learning online? Like what, what's been, do you have like a tutor, but what, what's been your approach there? Yeah. Um, I learned a lot online by, mm -hmm. uh, researching and getting into it. Um, a lot of misinformation though, like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I remember like the most, misinformed thing which uh, got me to sing wrong for a while was mm -hmm. uh, like around support people just like you know, on videos on the internet with like millions of views people being like hey you have to sing from your belly and kind of hey hey and kind of contracting as you sing mm -hmm. and and that's completely wrong like and once i found out that you actually need <laughs> to expand instead of contract you want to keep the air down rather than push it to your throat and create all the tension. Yeah. Um, it, it took me a while to find out about that. I actually read it in a book on, on classical singing. And I was like, ah, that makes sense. Yeah. When you contract the diaphragm, it, it actually, you inhale. Mm -hmm. When you relax the diaphragm, you exhale. So if you want to really keep your diaphragm engaging while you're, you're singing, mm -hmm. you're actually trying to keep the air in rather than, getting the air out. And, and that was like really pivotal um, to, to my singing, just, just a quick example. But um, I've also had um, a vocal coach um, here in Vancouver. She's an opera singer. Um, and mm -hmm. then I started to get some online um, lessons mm -hmm. with a guy in Australia, which is a tremendous singer. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it was really awesome. I uh, learned a lot through that. And, but right. a, a lot of experimentation with my own voice and seeing what worked and what not. Mm -hmm. um, I remember realizing that the little cartoon voice that I'd like to do um, mm -hmm. was, was really a key to singing high. Like I was right, like trying to get my, my manly deal, you know, round and robust voice to get high. And yeah. that was like really creating me a lot of tension. And then I realized mm -hmm. that when, when I'm just messing up with my wife and watching, I can go like, I'm out thou, you know, <laughs> and that's, that's hella high. And I'm, and I'm super relaxed as I do it. Mm -hmm. And when it's like, what if I sing like that? I realized that I, I could sing Judas Priest just like this. And I, oh. I was singing Judas Priest just uh -huh. by doing the alpha voice. And then it was just learning how to make that, into a more uh, round and, and just shaping the, yeah. the vocal tracks, but it's empowering. So that's that's awesome. So is is that like? I mean, I'm assuming that that, that kind of cartoon voice, as you say, is like a head voice, right? But then, is that where the mixed voice concept comes in with adding that kind of tone to it? It's well. I feel like there are two types of cartoon voices. You can get like the Mickey Mouse is like, oh, Mickey Mouse, Mickey's airy, right? So uh -huh. that, that's a lot of air leaking and that's completely head voice and, and falsetto. But right, Elfo, yeah. it's more like, Ow! you know, it's, it's okay, weird, yeah. it, but, but you got full vocal closure. 
and, and you can actually connect that to your chest voice I see, uh, yeah. really nicely because you yeah. have that vocal closure so it doesn't break. I think the break to falsetto is when you, you lose the vocal in the closure and you end up going to a false chord. So air leaks yeah, and you get I that, uh, that no one likes. Mm-hmm. But by, by, by going into the alpha as I, I went up, I, I suddenly connected all of those things. And that's what mixed voice is all about, right? Singing that range, which is too low for your falsetto and too high for your chest mm. and, and making, that, uh, making that with full closure and balancing the two voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the character, character voices helped me on that. That's really cool, man. Cool. <laughs> Well, yeah, that, yeah, that, that's, uh, yeah, you're clearly very knowledgeable ab- uh, about voice. Um, but I mean, that makes sense because you're, you're doing a lot of, uh, um, vocal kind of content as well. Right. You, you were mentioning to me about, um, like the, the clips you're doing, I think you, you said on TikTok, right. Um, was it on TikTok or YouTube shorts and things like that with vocal tips and. Yeah, uh, I do it on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube Shorts. Yeah, uh, mainly cool. we'll get the things which are like, what? What is that thing? Which once I learned or I realized, it mm. changed how I sang. Mm-hmm. That I really wished that someone would teach me. But every time that I would approach a YouTube video, they will teach just a little bit of it and then be like, hey, I'm selling you my course. Oh, right. right? <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I got those little things and I'm like, I'm going to make like one minute or less videos about those little things mm-hmm. and start to put out there. So I started a TikTok account. I had zero followers. And like by the third um, content, I boom, got to 300 followers. And um, nice. I got like 12,000 views like overnight. And I was like, oh, people actually like that. And, and I, my, I got a lot of subscribers on my YouTube channel, which I, I really just post shorts on it, like not even like mm-hmm. fully fleshed videos. And I realized that people really want to learn those things that I wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to, but I'm like, hey, that's, that's not my full-time job. I'm not really trying to get money out of you. I'm really mm-hmm. just, you know, I have some spare time. I'm going to use that time to tell you what worked for me. So kind of like vocal lessons from someone who's not a vocal coach and is not mm-hmm. trying to sell you anything. And, and that was cool. Like a lot of people that liked it and, and they, they now follow me and they ask for more and they come with like a little, they go in the comments and be like, Hey, I'm doing this. I'm feeling that. Do you have any tips? And I'll always reply with a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it gets me, um, just ideas for the next video that I'll put out. Cool, and, yeah. and in the end, they all go and, and they want to also see, you know, look, this guy seems like he knows about voice. Let, let, let's hear him sing. So mm-hmm. they will go into my music and they will listen to my music. Some people like the style, some people do not like the style, but they mm-hmm. are into singing and, and they will eventually, you know, I'll use sometimes my music as ways to teach, you know, how to, to bridge the gap and, yeah, and things cool. like that. Cool. So yeah, that's well, what I'd be doing. That's that's awesome, man. I mean, you know, pro- prog rock is a good genre for for that anyway, because you know it's obviously testing that ability somewhat. But also, I think that your music is 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 very melodic, um, and I would say quite accessible, despite the fact that it's obviously very proggy, um, which is you know re- really wonderful. Um, so I kind of think that anybody that's just looking for a good singer you know that appreciates good singing should be able to enjoy your music you know uh just for that 
to start with, at least. I was actually trying to remember. I can't even remember for sure, to be honest, how I how um, we first uh, came across each other. But I think that I did actually see one of your singing videos first, like giving vocal tips, something like that. Um, and and thought, oh wow, this guy's a really good singer. And then probably from there, clicked on your Instagram and saw like prog prog rock metal, you know, composer, blah 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 blah, and thought. Oh yeah, sweet. This is <laughs> this is my kind of guy, you know. So yeah, it's cool, man. It's uh, it's it's clearly working for you. So yeah, well done with that. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Like I think throughout this whole music, like getting myself as an artist and singer out there, um, mm-hmm. the, maybe the greatest thing is to to meet people like yourself and to 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 meet new people who are passionate about the same things and share experiences mm-hmm. and collaborate. It's, yeah. it's, it's really great. Oh, I agree, man. It's, it's, yeah, it's enlightening, especially like when you realize just how many amazing talented people there are out there, uh, that as well as you say, share this kind of passion, it's, you know, very humbling, but also very inspiring. So yeah, really cool. Um, so, uh, okay. We, we, we've spoken about the singing and stuff there. Um, I suppose that, um obviously the the big thing really is you as an artist right and your and your music career that's that's your biggest passion i um i'm presuming and um i think you you've mentioned to me before as well privately that uh you you know you had a hard time trying to get a band together and and things like that before that's something that i definitely could relate with a lot and i'm sure lots of other people could so you wanted to be a singer in a band, I guess. Um, but it's just hard to really get that group of people together in your town or or, or whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that can be demoralizing, especially when, you know, you've got to work a job and you don't get that much time for it anyway and feels like it's never going to happen. So um, I, I guess like what it seems to me like what happened with your story really is you had this big um, cataclysmic moment with the pneumothorax. And from there you essentially thought like, okay, you've just got to basically take full responsibility to make this music. Right. And, um, and so, so you, you, you literally like went, got out of hospital basically and got like went and bought instruments and start teaching yourself how to produce as well, right? Yes. Um, so, yeah. So um, I, I, I'm just thinking, so that's another thing that you've basically gone and self-taught. You just started learning production, mixing, everything, like, as well for your, for, for your first single. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I started to get into um, YouTube, right? I think yeah. everyone wants to learn something nowadays. You just go to YouTube. Yeah, greatest learning platform. For and sure. then I was like, you know, how to record a, a song, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, you need an interface. You need a DAW. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to get one. And then I, I talked to a friend who is a music producer, like, hey, what do you use? He's like, oh, you should get into Reaper. And I'm like, oh, I, people talk about Pro Tools. And he was like, well, <laughs> you're probably going to get more used to, to Reaper. Um, yeah. It's, it's going to be more intuitive for you. And I was like, oh, sure. And then I got into Reaper and I, re- I started to record 
little things just at, at home and see how, how that worked and um, and got into like, how, how does it make it to sound good? And, and then people were like, oh, you need compression, EQ, reverb, delay. And I was like, sure, I'm just going to watch thousand hours of videos around that. <laughs> and and nice. got into like little things and how to, to make it out together. And I ended up releasing new authorics with just free plugins. It's mainly the, the stock plugins that came from with Reaper. Yeah. And then I got a few like free ones, which just like Google best free compression or whatever. Uh-huh. And then I got them and started to, to get them together and ended up with Pneumothorax, which, you know, I, I learned a lot in the process. Like you know, maybe one day, I think once I have enough um, song to put together an album, I'm going to go back to it and remix it with all of my new knowledge. Right. Yeah, but sense, it, yeah. it, I think it turned out pretty okay, especially for uh, a first production with I all mean, the free I, stuff. <laughs> I think like, uh, yeah, I, I honestly think that that is the best like first time production that I've ever heard, like hands down. <laughs> I, Thanks, that, it's, it's crazy that that's the first time that uh, yeah, you produced and mixed the whole thing yourself, man. I mean, it, it, it's really good. Like it's, it sounds great. As, and I mean, especially considering that. So, I mean... You know, that's testament to like, as you say, all, all free software. I mean, the the biggest driver there is the fact that you had the, you know, just the determination <laughs> to do it. And obviously yeah. the the talent because like, so as we said, with that one, you literally just did everything, right? I mean, I guess, yes. I guess it was a lot of programming instruments, MIDI and, and stuff. And then you're playing guitar and singing, obviously. Yeah, I got the, I, I bought, like guitar, I bought the media controller, right? Yeah. And, and and I like did a lot of like keyboards and like a MIDI and recorded it. So mm-hmm. like the keyboards were also played into right. it, That's cool. right? Into yeah. MIDI. Um, but yeah, the drums I just had to program them. I obviously don't have a drum mm-hmm. around my 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 little home here. Uh huh. But um, yeah, it's cool. I always liked. Program not programming drums, but composing for drums. Um, mm-hmm. I used to have back in my uh, old prog rock like cover band I had in in Brazil. Right, I had a drummer who played one more Red Nightmare by King Crimson with his eyes closed. Oh, like nice. at, at twelve yeah. years old, he was like wow. playing jazz and, and and really. Once he told me like, "Hey, dude." I, those people who were teenagers and were playing like Metallica or punk rock or whatever, that mm-hmm. must have been cool because I, I never got that when I was a teenager. I was already playing <laughs> like insane polyrhythms, right? Yeah, yeah. So, Just prog and jazz. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I would get to this guy and and be like, "Hey, dude, why don't you get this arm on three by four? and this leg on seven by eight and then this other arm can stay on four four and we can meet here and nice. he's like oh you mean like that and i was like oh yeah so i used to program like <laughs> him cool. or at least he's a great drummer and he has like great things that he would put together but i would always like challenge him to to go proggier and to to do these little things and he, he always liked it and we always worked together which is nice. great i miss him um, but bet, yeah, yeah, then when I started to program, I was like, yeah, like how would I, 
I would do it with the, this friend of mine, right? And really mm-hmm. try to to get the the odd time signatures in there, mm-hmm. and 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 that's cool. So I programmed the drums. Yeah, I, th- I th- yeah, I think the um, I think the yeah, you've written great drum parts on on both of your songs. Like they definitely really sound like proper prog prog rock drums. You know, really really cool rhythms, especially as you say with all of these alternating time signatures and stuff it does take a bit more creativity than um <laughs> you know copy and pasting <laughs> like one three <laughs> so yeah yeah man great job with it it's honestly really really uh really impressive um Thanks. and so n- now uh now you've just released sonius um you know as as uh literally just um just now as we're talking um it's uh, just recently come out, and I really, really love that song as well. Um, for the lyrics are in Portuguese for this song. Yeah, right? I, from what I gather, it's like an older song that that you composed. Um, and I, I, from what I gather, that's the Portuguese word for dreams, right? Yes. So, what's the vibe and the story for for this song? Yeah, um, the song is very it's kind of abstract mm-hmm. and a little lysergic which mm-hmm. dreams usually are right you the dreams don't sure. always make sense but they, they all have a meaning but it's hidden like behind mm-hmm. it right so the the song is really about the your never-ending chase for your dreams and trying to get your dreams but as you go through it all dreams they have fear on it Right? Like mm-hmm. you, you try, and, and that's a metaphor for like, you're trying to chase what you want to have in real life. And then you have the fear of not succeeding, fear of something going wrong, feeling of going all in and, and not mm-hmm. doing it. So yeah. it's always like, in the chorus, it's about like, you almost grabbing that trim dream. It's almost within your reach, but you never get it because now it's morning again. Like you uh-huh. woke up, got to go to work. You got to leave the mundane Right. So it's, it's about yeah, that, yeah. like never, never end, never ending chase of your dreams while leaving the mundane. And he ends with a, a inspirational message, which is just like, just dream and fly, but make sure you dream outside of your bed sheets. Don't keep your, nice. your, your, your dreams inside your bed sheet. Don't keep your dreams like enclosed, like go and be someone. That's the, the last, literally the last uh, little verse is be someone. Nice. That's so cool, man. That's a that's a great message, and it really suits the vibe of the song. Um, that, I I really like how so you're essentially talking about dreams in kind of both senses of the word, right? As in, like yeah. you're talking about hopes and dreams and aspirations in life, but you're also actually talking about the act of dreaming whilst you're asleep. And that's yeah. super cool because that's that's my part of why I asked you because I was trying to work that out with the song. I was like, okay, I get that it's about dreams, but yeah, wh- what what's, kind of dream? <laughs> what's, yeah, what's the angle here? And so yeah, you've kind of interweaved them both, and that's really really cool. Um, I do I like the the song is just so kind of floaty and and, and vibey in a way that um, I did just have that feeling as if like kind of like lucid dreaming, you know, as if you're just sort of hovering over your body kind of floating around in that dreamscape and so uh yeah another another really really cool song man yeah thanks and, and it was that that floating 
thing uh, mm-hmm. was very intentional, right? There yeah, was there would that, be yeah. pieces of it, like both on the harmony as well as the mm. just as time signatures, like that there would be a, a one chord in the middle of the progression supposed mm. to be major, but a making minor. And, and it's a borrow where you don't usually see in borrows. It's like mm. a melodic minor borrow if you try to explain it in theory. No, but he, he, whenever I go to that chord, like he, he, you feel like you, oh my God, I lost my ground. Yeah, but something, it's yeah. weird happening. And at the same time, like I got the, the drums and, and the bass and the guitars. If you just try and count that, it's, mm. it's super hard to count. It's like three, four, yeah. and then five, eight, and then six, four, two, four. It keeps changing yeah. all the time. But uh, I layer the vocal melody and the saxophone melodies on top of it. And, mm. and the, those melodies just ignore that everything's it's weird behind it. Yeah. Just kind of sing kind of straight. I start to sing on the odd um, time signature, like on, mm-hmm. on, on the end, right? And then we finally meet back at the end of that huge phrase. So if someone would just sit down and listen and not try to count, then they would naturally focus on the lead melody. And they would, they would think like, oh, this is a three by four song, not a big yeah. deal. But then it, when you try to play it or count it or try to yeah. transcribe it, what is going you're going to like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> right? Yeah, I bet. No, that's, that, that's really cool. And I mean, we've spoken a little bit about this before as well with progressive music and things in general. It's like, yeah, I, I think b- both you and I, we really enjoy that kind of uh, intricacy and complexity. But like... I mean, you said it there for yourself with the with the melody and everything. Like, despite all that's going on, it doesn't necessarily seem that way from the offset. It's not like gratuitous, you know. And especially if if you're listening without thinking about it, then then yeah, you're not really noticing necessarily, um, you know, the technicality of it. It's not in your face in that way. It's very much about. It's very much just used in a kind of impressionist way to 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 paint that picture to create this vibe that's there and it's otherwise again very melodic and quite you know nice to listen to so i i mean i was wondering maybe you can say it better this this kind of approach that you have to progressive music in a in in the way you use it to kind of like in a in a more expressive uh terms yeah um I try to get the complexity to be felt mm. and not really thought of, right? As you right. started, you know, like, yeah. oh, there's this feeling of something ethereal going on and all those elements, mm-hmm. they are playing into making you feel like that. But mm-hmm. then you can also just like switch back and just acknowledge that feel and, and experience the song without having to worry about the technicalities. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's something that I myself, um, kind of am uh, a, a critic or uh, it's something that on modern pro- progressive rock or even metal or mm-hmm. metal as a whole uh, nowadays. Um, and, and Stephen Wilson actually said it better than I could, which right, is, yeah. it's, it, it looks like a sport. It's, it's extremely yeah. <laughs> impressive. It's extremely hard to play. Like I, I hear it. And as a musician, I'm like, well, that's insane. That's super cool. Right? Yeah. But as someone who's not a musician, they might go on just like, that doesn't communicate 
to me emotionally. So it would be cool yeah. to just go into a stadium on the, like a sports Olympic situation <laughs> and just be like, who yeah. can do the most complex and fast and hard piece to play? Yeah. But the, the old progressive rock, like if you go back to King Crimson, Yes, the Gentle Giant, mm-hmm. and those guys, you have extremely complex um, compositions going on. But mm. there's always this melodic aspect of it that yeah, glues everything together. And mm. that's why progressive rock at the time was uh, very popular. Like, well, not mm. super popular, but more popular than today, I think. And people mm. that are not musicians and not into that explicit complexity would really enjoy it for, mm. for the musicality and for the emotions that it conveys. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm trying to bring back. But instead of just writing a song that is that you, you can hear it and be like, Oh, that's seventies Prague. I, yeah. I'm actually making it in a, a more modern uh, situation. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll spice it up with a little bit of metal, a little post rock and try mm-hmm. to pull modern elements to it. That makes you, you hear like, okay, that that's a song from nowadays, yeah. but it's, yeah, yeah. It, it is progressive, but there's no shredding involved. There's no, explicit just that that choppy time (laughs) signatures they're like okay this is in my face complex it's Mm -hmm. like a a a background complexity but with a melodic foreground so you can Mm -hmm. get musicians that were reading to complexity to like it and be like oh that's hard that's interesting i can really not count this at -hmm. the same time that just your non-musician people who can't count music are just enjoying it for the melody. So that's my yeah. approach to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's great, man. I mean, I yeah, I absolutely love what you've done. As you say, I think the I think that your music sounds very fresh. To be honest, like you can obviously hear this um, callback to seventies prog, which is great. You know, I, I uh, I'm a big fan of seventies prog, but you know, there's there's no doubt that what you're doing sounds much more uniquely yours it doesn't sound you know like kim crimson despite the fact that you know you can hear the influence you know and obviously that's 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 the way to do it <laughs> so yeah man i um yeah I th- I th- you've, you've done a great job with that and and uh and, thanks yeah I, I love the music so far um on this on this second song Sonia's you had some other people playing on the track right and and even in terms of what you're saying about gratuitous guitar solos like the sax was doing all the work <laughs> saxophone on on this song that was awesome <laughs> yeah yeah i've i've there's a friend of mine called Ronaldo Rodriguez he, now like if you look at brazilian prog band especially from Rio de Janeiro um mm-hmm. today he plays in 90% of them. <laughs> it's wow. like nice. a legendary keyboard player in, in Brazil right now. And I think he's cool. going to release his uh, solo album soon, uh, second mm-hmm. volume, but he's great. And I met him back in Brazil and I was like showing like the, the original demo from Sonia's and like that. I was like, Hey, here's what I'm composing. How do you like that? He was like, dude, that's awesome. Like, why don't you make that into a real, song that was back before new authorities before i started to actually produce and record and and i was like sure yeah would you like to to record some keyboards from it and he was like i'd love to so he recorded some keyboards some really nice organs on it 
and the e piano at the end, like two different e pianos with similar melodies but different, which I pan mm-hmm. hard left and right, which allows you it adds up cool. to your like what's going on, like which melody should I focus on, and, yeah. and the ethereal thing. And then I was looking into a sax guy because when I've written the melodies, I've written for a saxophone. I really had that whole King Crimson, Mel Collins, Iceland's album thing in my head when I was composing it. I was like, I really need a saxophone here. And uh, I programmed initially uh, a MIDI saxophone, which really sounds awful. But it was there. It was there. And then I started to look for a, a saxophonist. And I found this guy in Sao Paulo, also Brazilian. He mainly plays like bossa nova and some jazz but he's a terrific saxophone player. So I approached him nice. and uh, like we, he, he recorded alto sax for the main melody, a tenor sax for the harmonies. And then he also got a uh, soprano sax where he, like when he, he sent me the tracks, he would just like, hey, here's an extra track for some improvs that I did throughout the song. So he really just nice. improvised on top of the entire thing. And then I was like cutting little bits of it which I felt like could um, integrate well in some parts. So uh, I added some improvs here then with the soprano sax. But in the end, it turned out really nicely. Uh, the, the, the solo at the end is a saxophone solo. That's the melody that I've written. And it, it ends up with this like, extremely complex thing that culminates into a callback to the original um, melody and originally harmony. Uh, to to bridge that modulation gap and it, that that's completely King Crimson like uh, I, I I can get the King Crimson like super fast sax solos like what the hell is going on like it, it, and and that's what I, I try to to put in there and I approach him like hey here's the here's the music sheet <laughs> that's super fast and a lot of notes and it was like sure no biggie and he did a, <laughs> a great job on it and I'm nice. really glad I worked with him on it. Yeah! Wow! Yeah, it did an amazing job. The sax sax sounds amazing, um, but and then you went and mixed it all yourself again. You yes. Know, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Wow! Ah, you did it real justice, man. I mean, and and you do hear. I I th- again, as I say, I think Pneumothorax was mixed really well, to be honest. But um, but yeah, you do hear the development um from this song and uh, the drum sounded really good as well. But yeah, that sax is. Yeah, so so rich, such such great tones. So that was a great investment. Yeah, it was great. It was great. The next song, I'm actually gonna get violins this time. Ah, nice. So yeah, you get to play around, feature all these different things. So I was assuming. So obviously, you already said on on Pneumothorax, you did everything yourself. So you have this like flute solo, or at least like the flute in the intro. And I guess that was all MIDI then. Yeah, it's a right. it's a flute mellotron. Ah, right. It sounds really good. Um, yeah, it's I, free. I thought, <laughs> yeah, I thought that that one worked worked really well, but yeah, the saxophone is just something else. There's just so much like blues <laughs> in a saxophone yeah. that you just can't really program that. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I mean, maybe there's some amazing sax plugin somewhere that has really great articulation or whatever, but. I just, yeah, I can't imagine that, um, you know, you'd be able to really mimic the saxophone playing like that, which is fantastic. Yeah. 
So um okay so yeah so you mentioned a uh, next song like what what's what's happening going forward then Yeah um well I'm actually going to be on vacations during September um, that's nice I got a, a going to be like in Indian Bali um and wow. then yeah what uh, are you going to do whole, what's in Bali uh um, like yoga retreats <laughs> no, while while I am taking my wife, who is a yoga teacher, no, nice. uh, we're actually exploring the jungle and getting out of like the the most not not staying too too long on oh. the most touristic places, and then going to mm-hmm. some island hopping and and stuff wow. like that. That sounds amazing, so, man. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. And once I'm back from that trip in October, I'm gonna go back to writing my next song, which. I already have a intricate chord progression for it mm-hmm. and um, two or three riffs that all fit together nicely. Mm-hmm. And it's all like on a Dorian sharp four um, scale, nice. which is That's a cool underused. Scale. A lot of people go into Phrygian dominant, but Dorian sharp four, which is mm-hmm. uh, apparent. It's like not, not really that much used. And I, I've, I've felt like it, it worked really nicely on, on a violin. And I do have like a friend of mine who lives a few blocks away. He's a Spanish violinist player. Wow. And I got to get him to do the, the violins on it. And nice. um, kind of do like a, a little Arian type of guitar and violin, like call response nice. um, going on into the song. And wow. the thematics of it is, is actually a, a pretty deep one. And, and it's about passive genocide. So oh he has this, this super metal <laughs> name to it, right? Uh, and I will have like some metal um, riffs, you know, with those pinch harmonics on it. But nice. um, it's kind of, it's going to be a metaphor um, and not going to explicitly say it, but okay. the, whoever knows will know, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about you can kill 500,000 people um, from mostly the same ethnics, mm-hmm. uh, not because you're there to kill them, but exactly the opposite. You're not doing anything. And that's mm-hmm. why people are, are dying. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the whole, like you can be the, the person who committed a genocide mm-hmm. By not doing anything, it's a passive yeah. genocide, and that's kind of goes wow. back, you know, ties back pandemic and all those things. So, yeah, yeah. that's the, that's my intent, and I, and I'm picking wow. each note and pinch harmonic that I use, each tritone that I use on that melody. It's oh, it, it's, wow. it's tying back to those emotions. So this one's sounding pretty heavy, then. I think it will be heavier than Sonia's yeah. for sure. Um, it well, starts- Sonia's is pretty chill. Yeah, it's Even super chill. Yeah. <laughs> it it it's it will start kind of mellow and um, acoustic, but still like a dark progression. Mm. And I'm trying to give some space in the song for me to sing low, because nice. I have a really uh, low voice. But my two songs right now it didn't really get me to the lowest of my range. Mm-hmm. And try and, and sing something like this. super deep that kind of like super deep voice and then climb up my four octaves to like to to my highest range and try and and do that 
on the, the most intense, like distorted part, I would sing high and cut through the mix. But on the acoustic, like things, I would be able to sing dark and sing set yeah. that, that dark, you know, like a background of the passive genocide theme. Wow. Wow, man. I'm very excited for that. that sounds, <laughs> sounds intense. You really do uh, pick your... <laughs> Pick your topics, man, like, and, and really create like <laughs> an experience with it. So, yeah, that's amazing, man. And um, how about lyrics? Like this last song was in Portuguese, obviously. Do you plan to sing more in Portuguese or English or just kind of whatever fits the song? Whatever fits the song. I think this one is going to be in English because mm -hmm. uh, the message, I think I want more people to understand it. Mm -hmm. But I might I might sneak in I don't know a little Portuguese little bridge here or or there cool. I don't know the song is gonna write itself mm -hmm. so I I can't say yet because um, okay. I don't know myself mm -hmm. right as I start to put together and, and the section that are gonna work out um, yeah but it, it's interesting like I have and it, it as everything that you're hearing me like about my intentions I have a little way of writing lyrics. Okay. Which, yeah. uh, which are like quite unique. At least uh, I shared with some friends, and they're like, "Dude, what the hell? You're a programmer, like writing lyrics." Uh, <laughs> like I will, I have like this little diagram. Like here's the intent, here's the core message that will nice. become a chorus, and then a verse one. It's gonna be like, for example, I could say verse one is gonna be one perspective. Verse two could be a second perspective and shifting mm -hmm. from one verse to the other is shifting perspectives. Mm -hmm. Or I can say shifting from one verse to the other is uh, shifting. It's just going in time, progressing in time. So I'll set up like what, how do I want this to progress? Is it a time progression? Is it a perspective shift? Is it like two person, two people like talking to each other? Mm -hmm. and, and then I'll go in like, there's a message for the first verse. Here's the other message. And then I'll do like a little cloud of words that fit those messages. And then mm -hmm. I'll go and write each, each, each verse with, but, but it's now when I'm actually writing the verse, I'm very targeted. I know exactly what's the message. I know what kind of words I want to use. Mm -hmm. And then I just have to pick whatever fits the vocal melody because I will write the vocal melody first. And then maybe I'll tweak it to fit the phrasing, but uh, that's that's how I go about writing lyrics, that's which uh, cool. it's <laughs> it's very technical. And <laughs> some people think like lyrics is something that just get inspired and you sit down and you write it up, right? So, or even yeah. music in general is like you sit down and you get inspired and then you throw a music out and it just goes like that. Yeah. But that's not it for me. For me, it's really I will get some inspiration, which will get me something. And then I have to shape that something and add a lot of things and use all the techniques and, and theory in order to turn that into an actual song. Maybe the inspiration is just a riff on 10 seconds and then I got to make that into a seven minute song. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I love that. That's so cool. And, and that's the beauty of it all is that like, we're all unique, you know, we all have our own approach. And as you say, like that can work perfectly well for somebody to just get inspired and then boom, just stream of consciousness comes out of them. Yeah. Man, lots of the best music ever written may have been made like that or will, you know, has been made like that. And yeah, you know, other other stuff is is made with a different approach, like perhaps more similar to what you have. And that's really cool, man. I I 
really like that um, that approach. I have, you know, I would say that I have taken similar approach in some ways with with some things nice. that I do, especially when you because um, the thing is what you what it sounds like to me is almost like you're like mapping out a narrative, right? Because a diagram, yeah, yeah. There's a story you want to tell here, and so because you want you want the story lyrically and topically to flow with the music as well, because the music's all part of telling that story. And um, like, yeah, I, uh, I, I really kind of love that approach. And that's, um, you know, if, if you're writing something like a opera, right. Or a rock opera, metal opera, you know, speaking about Pink Floyd, Arion, you know, these things, Yeah, you, you kind of need to do that to some extent, right. Because you have to, work out how to tell a good story you know and that's what especially if you're writing yeah an opera a musical or whatever like yeah you you need good music and you need good story and and so to make those two things work together it does take a pretty involved process like this so yeah yeah an oversimplified um way to describe what i would consider a mistake in songwriting um, mm. storytelling uh, it's like why is your chorus um all the major chords but mm -hmm. your lyrics and your message is so sad right yeah then th that would be like of course like that's that's an easy oversimplified way of putting sure. it yeah but it goes like notes by notes right maybe you're you're belting a major third but that's the but you're belting yeah. pain like uh -huh. no, like if you if you want to belt pain, belt a sharp four, right? That's gonna really get the Man, pain feeling through. I, I'm with you. I, I'm 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 <laughs> totally with you. And and there is this spectrum, like you mentioned about in the '70s, prog rock was more popular and accessible. And and the thing is, there has there is like especially in in terms of mainstream, your everyday listener, it it essential like musicality has kind of like continuously been watered down in a way you know to the point that commercial pop music now is like very rudimental it's like blocks you know like same kind of four chord sequences in almost every song right and that means as you say it doesn't even matter what the song is about it's going to be over the same formula anyway you know because that's just digestible enough for people you know and and the other end of the spectrum would go back all the way even past prog rock all the way to classical music you know which is um which is obviously especially like symphonic music it's densely layered and there is infinite expression and you know potentially even no voice there because like yeah you're telling a story and painting a picture with as you say a fast run of you know staccato flurries with the violins or whatever that means something it represents something you know and uh you know back in the day people were patient enough and sophisticated enough to uh to take that in on a you know on a mass basis and um obviously there's still uh you know there's still a market for that you know people like you and I and many others are interested in those details but um that's why in this kind of internet age you know it's all like we have an abundance of options in a way you know there's the radio music and that's kind of like yeah whatever and then there's like 
everything available to you and you can just choose you know what resonates with you and so it's wonderful yeah and, and the answer is probably at least from my case in between all of that because even uh -huh. like you uh, uh, i've been studying more or analyzing more pop music nowadays and like oh, the yeah, access yeah. Cool. the, the access pro progression right mm -hmm. like you, you, you it's a four chord loop where mm -hmm. one chord feels more like home then the second chord goes away from home third yeah. chord gets you back to home fourth chord away from home so you just you always go in a away and back away and back and yeah. it, it, it puts in a way where you, you don't know where the one chord is mm -hmm. and that's it, it's great for if you want to get a message like for example if i would write a song about um, time travel when someone is stuck in a time loop i would mm -hmm. probably use that progression because it's a perfect expression of this and mm -hmm. and pop artists they are also really good at motives they will get a, a little uh, short phrase like with right, three yeah, four sure. notes which are like damn that i can't get this out of my head i only yeah, heard hooks. it twice that's it right and and, and the motives and, and then they can they're great at exploring like go and write a different section of the song mm -hmm. where you're gonna hear the same motive but one note is different or one or the rhythm is a little different right mm -hmm. but it, it's still it has a lot of cohesion like you you can hear a section of the song and you know mm -hmm. it's the same song because of the usage of that same modified motive mm -hmm. right so it, it music it's repetition and variation right you yeah. have to repeat enough so the brain understands that it's the same song and mm -hmm. there's cohesion but you need enough variation so that the listener doesn't get bored mm -hmm. and maybe pop it's too much about repetition and not as much as variation but repetition mm -hmm. is important on songwriting and yeah, uh, sure. catching some of the motives and loops, uh, ideas from pop and applying it into a prog rock genre oh, will yeah. we, we really get, get you to write songs more like, of course, I'll never write like Pink Floyd did, they're the masters, but um, mm -hmm. you can see that it is those motives, it is those looped chord yep. progressions that, that make something like shine on you crazy diamonds uh, all the parts feel mm -hmm. like it's the same thing but it's always varying to the point that you're always interested in a song and never bored mm -hmm. but yeah so I, I feel like it's oh, in yeah. between if you go to any extremes you're gonna find your own niche you're gonna find your own listeners and people who are into these extremes but mm -hmm. uh it's super hard to balance and, and i like yeah. challenges yeah Nice man, I love that. Very, very cool, man. Yeah, you're right. The whole, the whole spectrum lies between, and that's that's where we can all kind of choose our preferences and choose our creative, um, you know, uh, places and all of that. And uh, yeah, I I really love the the place that that you've chosen um, for your for your music in there. Uh, I'm really, uh, I'm really excited to hear your next song and everything else that you do from there um is is your is that your idea is like you basically you're taking one song at a time and because they're quite big progressive rock songs you know it's quite an involved process so it's just one at a time there yeah it's like a chapter yeah it's like okay um i i can only do what's on my hands you know with the limited mm. time that i have 
So mm-hmm. I'm just going to work on that. And once that's ready, once I'm happy with it, it's like, I'm just going to share it with people. What's the sense on like waiting and sitting on songs to get a full album, especially mm-hmm. because once yeah, you release yeah. a full album, you can only really market one song, right? So <laughs> you're just missing the opportunity yeah, the to, same mar- thing. to market yeah. every single one of them. So um, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. that's what I'm doing. But in the process, I'm I'm also working with collabs. Like I cool. just uh, I just recorded uh, vocals for mm. a power metal song from my nice. friend Jeff Black, who he will release sometime on during fall. But okay, it, it was great. a quite fun collaboration. Extremely hard to sing song, super nice. high, super intense. And uh, <laughs> while I as a composer do prog rock mm-hmm. myself as a singer I, I i sing a lot of metal because mm-hmm. that challenges me on my technique yeah power right? metal <laughs> the full uh full yeah. wailing yeah epic so and stuff. In, cool. in the meantime right while i'm working on this the other full songs composition which demands of me a lot of time composing and yeah. recording editing mixing and it takes forever yeah, massive. Um, yeah. Co- collabs are great for to fill the gaps where yeah. I can just work on lyrics, melody, and then record my vocals and then I send mm. it out and 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 the whole like editing and, and, and mixing and all of the other instruments are handled by someone. Uh, some, yeah. Yeah. Someone else that, that that helps me get something fresh out there. Uh, that's not directly my composition, but I helped on some melodies and there's my voice on it while I get to work on the longer prog rock, uh, more epic songs. Great, man, that's cool. That sounds, that sounds like a great way of going about it. Is there, um, is, there, is there anything else then that you're like interested in getting involved with? Like for instance, you said about, you know, being more into pop music, doing power metal. Like, is there anything uh, else that you're kind of considering or would enjoy doing aside from the prog rock solo music jazz wow uh, cool jazz, jazz singing is, oh, oh. Uh, um jazz <laughs> <laughs> it's cool, man. um what I, what I really dig about jazz is the jazz composition and music theory where yeah. all the chains have broken mm-hmm. and everything is allowed as mm. as long as you justify it with voice leading yeah and that really really helps me also in my composition just observing how um, jazz is so free you can change scales on every chord it doesn't matter you can put any chord in there like modulate every single 20 seconds and there's not a problem it always feels correct you can mm. even you can even play two chords that are unrelated and two progressions that are not related at the same time and mm-hmm. and and it's still gonna work it's gonna work if you know what you're doing right and it's gonna work mm-hmm. if if you have the, the the voice leadings if you use the right chording versions and then just looking at the chords and the harmony by um just like we did back on sheet music uh right uh, on classical Mm-hmm. You will get one melody line, you know, there's the soprano line, you have the tenor line, you have the bass mm-hmm. line, the baritone line, and they're all separate melodies mm-hmm. that together form a chord. But if you isolate and go just on the melody and you make that a memorable 
melody and you, you have that voice leading where you're just going chromatically down and, and just, just a chromatic scale, which doesn't have, you know, functional harmony sense by itself, mm -hmm. but then you use the other voice to justify that with different chords, but which different chords, which will never feel like they belong together, but because that, that's that one voice, which is doing the chromatic descent that's within those uh, uh, harmonical chords, then you justify it and then it makes sense. And that's what, what jazz is all about. And I'm really passionate about studying that. Not, right. not about singing on that, although singing those little weird voices are super hard because, yeah. you know, you train for scales. You want to go for the scale, but when you, you've got to hit the notes which are not on the scale, it's hard to stay in pitch. Mm -hmm. But the, just the compositional aspects of jazz harmony, it's something I'm very passionate about. That's cool, man. Yeah, that, that's really cool. I mean, yeah, j jazz is very inspiring that way. And I suppose it sounds like you're you're definitely really into that boundary pushing kind of hard bebop and um, like free jazz and stuff, like really just kind of pushing it to the limit <laughs> of um, yeah. breaking breaking musical boundaries. Yeah, I love that. Um, I, 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 I as well like have. I would love to um, get more involved in jazz, but it's uh, probably a little bit more in the long in the long term <laughs> for me. But um, you know, I, I didn't really have any like jazz grounding, um, you know, growing up or whatever. But like, especially over the last few years, listen to more and more jazz. I really love um, like bebop music and stuff. It's so it's so cool, man. It's so cool. But yeah, I don't know what I would uh, where where to start. I don't know if I'd really play jazz guitar or piano. It's all uh, <laughs> all seems it's a jazz. bit much for me at the moment. <laughs> the, the boundaries yeah. between the instruments they just melt. It's just yeah, jazz. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but it's cool, man. It definitely would. Yeah, it would be a lot of fun. I'd love. I love to to. Um, yeah, speak to you more about that. Like, uh, I'd love to hear your recommendations of some jazz records as well. And uh, and yeah, if you ever get to play something or, or on a project, that'd be super cool, man. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I would be playing jazz any time soon. I think there's a lot to mm -hmm. learn before I get there. But yeah. I definitely like to study jazz and use that in my compositions. Mm. Um, okay, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, in terms of records, like I, I'm not super a connoisseur of jazz that I get sure, to like yeah. all the undergods or whatever, but <laughs> just pick something like Bitches Brew with Miles Davis and it's no, it's, uh, it's always gonna spin really nicely on any ambience. Yeah, man. Yeah, right on. Yeah, and, and I mean you're 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 into your vinyl records and stuff, right? Like, yeah, that's uh, how you mentioned that before. So you are you a big collector of, of vinyls? Um, I'm not a big collector of vinyls, but that's my preferred media for listening to, to music. Um, mm -hmm. I find that, especially on storytelling albums like Aaron and, and Pink Floyd, yeah. listening to a song is not the same as listening to the full album. Oh, yeah. And, and vinyl forces you to do that, right? Mm -hmm. it, 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 it grants you, it's that connection with the music. Like when you, when you put down yeah, a, a vinyl, yeah. you're now like, okay, so this is important. I'm spending my time to go and put it down. I'm even yeah. spending my time, like I'm going to be reminded that the first side is over and I have to go there and flip it, right? Mm -hmm. So it forces me to connect, 
to the music. It forces me to to hear that song, which I might not like uh, too much, but it's in between songs that I like, and I'm just gonna let it flow. And maybe at some point I, I get like, now I understand why that song is in there. Now it makes sense, right? Rather than just scrolling through infinite skips on digital media, oh, which which just breaks the connection. Um, music becomes the background sometimes where with vinyl, because you have to go and be physical about doing things about it, you cannot just forget about it. You have to go back and interact with the media, right? And that, and that's pretty cool. It, it makes music become more foreground in a sense. Oh man, I, I, I'm really with you on that. Like, I don't know, maybe, maybe we're just um, like old. <laughs> or old school <laughs> or something but and we'll just continue to age more and more from here but yeah. like um uh, admittedly i'm not really a vinyl guy uh not um i just haven't really had had a collection um but i am really definitely still an albums guy like i i i always listen to albums i don't know i'm almost like a little bit sort of OCD with it. Like I want to hear the full album. I don't, I don't want to start it and not see it through. And I definitely don't want to skip tracks. And I must admit, like I still just, I still just can't really get the hack, hack of playlists most of the time, unless like I have a reason for listening to a playlist. It just seems, it's just too weird for me jumping around loads of different things. I I, I want to like get into a, a record, you know, a band, and this kind of sound and like play it from start to finish. And that's the vibe for however long it's meant to be 40 minutes an hour, you know? And, um, yeah. So I, so I, I do everything through my monitoring system and, you know, at least, uh, from what I've got, uh, that's the best sound that I can get. You know, I've treated this room and got it to sound as good as I could. Um, nice. so I, you know, really enjoyable experience. Um, and I play everything digitally through there, but yeah, man, it's all, it's all albums. <laughs> yeah. I actually don't have a treated room or even monetary systems. I mix everything on this headphone over here. Nice. <laughs> and, um, but I do have a home theater with oh, where cool. I, I plug my, um, my little record player. And do you uh, do you stream. watch the wall in there whilst like shaking your chair? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what, like watching the, the wall. <laughs> yeah, it's the the big subwoofer subwoofer and and the living room. Mm -hmm. So it's it's great. I would check my mixes on it as well after a while. But um, cool, it's great to have um, something you know you can just spin it. Like you get people over and you're like, oh, I'm just gonna spin a record in there. I think there's a, a yeah, certain no. charm to it, which as you oh, said. Yeah. Maybe just me being a boomer or hipster, but <laughs> I kind of dig that. <laughs> no, man. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, I just, I just haven't invested in a vinyl collection to be honest. But I, uh, I probably would in the future when I, you know, when I've got the yeah. The cash One thing the, that uh, I that I, uh, I have on, on vinyl, which it's kind of harder to find outside of vinyls, is that I do have some um, Brazilian prog rock. Uh, wow, vinyls cool. from the 70s which oh, nice. are not like easily available online sometimes when you when you find them online it's just someone that 
ripped it from yeah, the vinyl yeah. itself. It's not really recorded like digitally. So they sound better on vinyl because they were yeah. made for vinyl. Wow. And that's, and, so cool. and that's where I can get like a lot of value from, from vinyls being able to spin those records and yeah, connect man. to Brazilian prog rock, which is extremely wow. unknown, like outside of, even in Brazil, like people are not connected to Brazilian prog rock. <laughs> but there are masterpieces yeah. on it. Like there, there are bands and records which are seriously put it like to the same scale uh, uh, and level I as bet, like yeah. in Crimson and Yes and those things. And th these guys are just doing amazing with yeah. uh, really bad equipment because it was super expensive at the time, especially in Brazil. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really like Brazilian prog rock. When I wrote Sonhos, I was fully in Brazilian prog rock. And writing in Portuguese was very intentional because I was like trying to, you know, like shout out to Brazilian prog rock. Wow. Nice. And, and final does connect me to that. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Yeah, that's that's so cool. Now, I think that, as you say, it all comes down to ultimately just like just about treating music with respect. You know, it, yeah. is, it is sad, the whole kind of, as you say, like background noise, <laughs> basically, <laughs> you know, but yeah it's it's to their own i suppose like yeah you got standard people and uh you know radio music and it's all kind of background and yeah that's fine for what it is but <laughs> yeah i mean luckily there's there's more than enough people out there that i think still really value that connection to music so you know it's all good and especially in this the kind of rock and metal world I, I think that there's uh, a much larger sense of that kind of respect for music still. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Okay. Well, I, I don't, I don't even know how long we've been speaking. Quite, yeah. <laughs> quite, quite a while, I think now. Yeah. It's um, been a while. Yeah. So is there anything else that you, that you want to uh, bring up any kind of like promotion and stuff? People got to listen to Sunhouse, right? Yeah, uh, pe people like I love to hear what people are thinking on Sonyos, also Pneumothorax, right? Uh, it's not just that people listen to it, but uh, I want to connect to what was the listener experience mm. when I was listening to it because that's very important to me. It's more mm. important than just listening to the song. It's just like, what did you feel? Like, well, mm. what was the impact on your life during those seven minutes or so? Right. So that's, yeah. that's something I would really like the feedback on, but you know, you can find it anywhere on Spotify, Apple music, YouTube, Bandcamp, mm -hmm. anything else like that. Um, I will be recording a, like a, a video, like just playing myself here. And, and I got the, the other guys who recorded the other instruments to record them as well. I might Ooh. blend it with some of the Vancouver uh, nature Nice. Uh, images that we're gonna record it over here and hopefully i'll get it i'll get it out there before the end of the month or so or, or if not then cool. you know when i'm back from bali and yeah so um and i'm also very open for um, collaborations um if, if, if people nice. have music that i can connect to i'd love to lend my voice and collaborate because i'm passionate about singing and um yeah it would be great to do more collabs as well oh great stuff cool man cool 
Well, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, I would especially recommend people check out. Um, I, I really like the lyric videos that you got on YouTube because just those animations of the artwork, like, really um, helps bring you in to the the experience. But yeah, otherwise, man, it's it's been an absolute pleasure to to have you on, and uh, you know, love chatting with you. I'm sure we could uh, keep chatting about. <laughs> about yeah. all kinds of stuff it would take so, forever <laughs> yeah we'll have to continue you know in in our own time but yeah th th thanks a lot man yeah thanks for having me having me on the show it was uh i had a lot of fun you could say that cool we'll do it again sometime man all right thank you for listening to this episode of creating a universe a special thanks to leo for joining me i really enjoyed our conversation you can check out all of Leo's links at withkoji.com forward slash at leomayaprog. Links will be in the show notes. Go and show Leo some love, and I'll see you on the next episode. Until then, my friends, take care.